microphone. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Sex in the Bull City. This is Dr. Sophia Caudill, and welcome to another episode of our podcast. I have been on a COVID vacation, I think, for a little bit over a year as far as podcasting goes. And I'm really happy to be back today with not only a friend, but a client of mine. His name is Rob. Obviously, that is not Rob's real name, but this is a really special opportunity for me to have a conversation with a client, with the client's consent, obviously, um, that the other people can take part of and, and enjoy and learn from and listen to and, and benefit from. So I'm really excited today. Rob, thank you so much for being here with me. Thank you for having me. This is really a, a lovely, a lovely gift. And um, for me, as someone who's known you for a couple of years now, and as your therapist, I just am thrilled for you to be sharing part of your journey today and, and who you are with, with people. I think that's just really wonderful. So I'm, I'm so happy that you're here. I'm grateful for the opportunity to share. Awesome. My first podcast. I've yeah. never done a podcast Well, before. you're doing great so far. Thanks. <laughs> So um, what we're going to talk about today is certainly about, about sex addiction recovery. That's what a lot of our, our podcasts are, are about. And Rob um, has been doing some amazing work in SAA, which is Sex Addicts Anonymous, and, and working very diligently with me, doing a lot of very deep, deep work, deep grief work. And on his ninth step, he did something all on his own, which I thought was really uh, wonderful and showed a lot of addict empathy. And, and for those of you out there who are familiar with sex addiction or with addiction in general, addict empathy is really one of the last things that addicts cultivate um, in their recovery. And I'm going to let Rob talk about what he did, but something that, that we're going to be focusing on today is... Rob wrote a letter to porn stars as, as an amends. And, and that's what the ninth step is in 12-step recovery work. It's an amends that we make to people, um, sometimes directly face-to-face or through a phone call or through a letter. Sometimes indirectly, we might just write the letter to them and read it to our sponsor because it, it might not be a good idea to contact that person, or they might be dead. I mean, there's a lot of reasons why that doesn't happen. But this was such a, I think, amazing act on Rob's part. And I just was so just in awe. I was like, We've, gosh, are you, would, you, would you be willing to do a podcast? I think this is amazing. So we're going to talk about Rob's letter to porn stars today, and he's going he's gonna to read it. And we're just going to have some, 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 just a nice, comfortable conversation. And for those of you who are listening, Rob and I have talked about, we might do some follow-up podcasts. If you have questions for him or things that you'd like us to discuss, please email me and we're happy to take those up at a, at a next session. And so Rob, I just want to welcome you again for being here and and we're gonna we're gonna hear your letter in a couple of minutes, but why don't you just tell us a little bit about who you are and how you got here and and what do you think is important for the listeners to know about you? Well, thank you. Um, yeah. Well, my journey to recovery was probably about forty years in the making. It was a it was a long, slow decline for sure. Um, but I was. 
Born overseas, I grew up in a lot of different places, uh, moved around a lot, uh, which meant that having my, my childhood friends were temporary. Uh, the friendships typically had a two-year lifespan. And that's that was difficult. And it's something that uh, I've sort of knew that was part of being in a military family, but uh, still was difficult. Um, I am an only child, so I don't have any siblings. Uh, my parents certainly did the best that they could raising me. Uh, they, of course, had their own challenges and their own marriage, um, which would later fall apart as well. Um, and, uh, I was not a victim of Chinese childhood traumas, so, uh, my background is not one of, you know, where there was physical abuse or where there was violence in the household or whether there was, uh, spouses that were arguing right. or that sort of thing. Uh, but I did have some very hands-off parents. Mm -hmm. I had a father that was very absent at times. Uh, and a mom that uh, she was also very distant at times. Mm -hmm. And it was a combination of distance and then kind of uh, picky mm -hmm. and would, it would be capable of finding fault mm -hmm. anywhere. So that was, a, it, you know, it's like, and that took a long time. It took a lot of therapy to start to really work through those things. Mm -hmm. um, the other challenge that I had growing up uh, besides, besides that, obviously, was uh, shame over my sexual orientation. Uh, I knew I was different. Uh, I was attracted to, to boys for, or men for a long period of time, or pretty much ever since I remember. Mm -hmm. um, I felt shame around that. Uh, I felt like it was something that I had to hide, uh, and I did. Yeah. Uh, for a very long time. It's like I wouldn't come out to my parents until I was 28 mm -hmm. and in a relationship. Wow. Right. So I compartmentalized that part of my life very early um, and hit it. It felt like it was uh, basically hit it in her cloak of shame mm -hmm. uh, and hit, you know, hit everything. Uh, it was even to a point where I didn't even express myself sexually until fairly late. It was uh, the 80s in the middle of the AIDS pandemic or epidemic. Mm -hmm. uh, honestly, I felt like uh, I didn't understand HIV at the time. Uh, I don't think, well, I think a lot of people didn't understand right. HIV at the time. Uh, and it basically said, well, if you were gay and you had sex, you're going to die. Yeah. So I didn't. Yeah. Uh, uh, so that basically uh, allowed porn to enter my life mm -hmm. as an outlet. It uh, it started with me discovering magazines that my my own dad had. Of course, they were straight. They were straight, but uh, that was my first interactions. And then uh, it was. Uh, was reintroduced to it on a number of occasions when I was younger. Uh, uh, during a summer break uh, from college, I had a coworker that loaned me some. I actually had a coworker that showed me. I recognized later was basically trying to groom me. Oh right. Um, and showed me a, a, a large variety of of porn just to see which what would right what, what worked for you what worked yeah. for me. Uh, 
And that's, uh, you know, that was part, that was also part of the recovery work mm-hmm. early was to, to work through those things. And that, uh, that was part of my uh, sexual history that I did as mm-hmm. part of my, my first step uh, was to go through that. Um, but uh, I, you know, got into a relationship, uh, was not the world's greatest partner, um, still acting out. Uh, the porn addiction eventually uh, continued to pro- progress into uh, the online world mm-hmm. uh, when the internet started to really take off. So it was internet, po- it went from physical media to online media, uh, to chat sites, to cruise sites, mm-hmm. to, um, you know, it's like, it just, uh, it just spiraled into, uh, where it was, had taken over my life and, uh, it impacted my relationship. It into, impacted my career. It, uh, imperiled my own freedom and resulted in an arrest and conviction mm-hmm. for my activities. Mm-hmm. Uh, that eventually all brought me to recovery. Yeah. Uh, and it kind of illustrates, I think, the how far an addiction can go before it gets addressed. It's yeah. like there were many places down that road that, you know, had, had I diagnosed it or had I been honest with myself and recognized that I'm addicted to this and sought the help out, then a lot of that, a lot of what happened afterwards could have potentially been prevented. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, I'm grateful for what has happened because it's put me in a better place. And that is what my recovery is all about. Mm -hmm. It's about my freedom. Yeah. Uh, It is about me being able to live the rest of my life in the way that I want to live it and to be the person that I know that I'm capable of being. Uh, So I've uh, went to recovery very reluctantly. Um, When a police officer looks through your phone and looks at some acting out history and says, wow, this is an addiction. Uh, you, it kind of gets your attention. Yeah. Um, and um, my probation officer, when I, I actually violated my probation because of my acting out, when we had a really tough meeting in her office after, after that happened, she she looked at me and she basically said, um, yeah, I could put you in jail for 90 days, but I don't think it's going to do you any good. And at that point, I, you know, it's it was really obvious how sick I really, really was. And, uh, and it was with that that I finally entered recovery. Uh, started my work in the program, Mm -hmm. uh, got a therapist, Mm -hmm. uh, started working, all of that. And, and that's really when things started to change. Well, Rob, thanks for sharing all of that with us. I even learned a few things about you in there. That was, that was just really, you know, raw and, and very honest. So I appreciate that so much. And I know everyone listening is going to really appreciate 
that part of you that that's so open and 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 wants to share and you know one thing I wanted to the one thing that I really heard that I I I did know because we've worked on this but I think is so important just to highlight is that you know we many of us we I'm in recovery as well many of us become addicts not because we were horrifically abused not because we experienced huge trauma but so much of us experienced very quiet, benign, emotional neglect. And that's what you described. A dad who simply just wasn't present because he was working and he, he had his own stuff he was doing also, which, you know, our parents are people too. And a mom who just wasn't emotionally connected to you. Luckily, we know that y'all have a much closer, lovely yeah. relationship now, which is a, a huge blessing. It's it's wonderful, but nothing horrible and and awful. Nobody, no DSS had to be called. You know, no school was notified of anything horrible happening at home. None of that happened, but somehow, still, you needed a way to soothe yourself and comfort yourself and numb out. And when you're when our parents don't teach us healthy ways of doing that, addiction's gonna pop up somewhere. And and yours just happened to be sex addiction, and you know starting with porn, which is how which is what happens to a lot of young people today. So um, that's that's really common. But you know I just am impressed with how far you've come, and I am very impressed by the letter that again you took upon yourself to write and. Um, you know, just wondering if you want to read that now, or do you have anything else you wanted to, to share beforehand? Um, yeah, I guess the one thing that I wanted to share is before we get to the letter mm-hmm. um, was the sort of the progression through through the steps. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the, the, the first step was me uh, going through and writing writing honestly about my sexual history, uh, which is honest, which was the first time that I'd looked at sort of the beginning and the end, mm-hmm. uh, or I should say the beginning and to up to that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's a very difficult step for people coming into, yeah. re- into recovery to do. Uh, but uh, I was so broken at that point uh, and basically looking for anything that would help that it was, it was a perfect time to generate that level of honesty yeah. that was required to do a good first step. You were at your rock bottom, as they like to call yeah. it. Yeah. Um, so as part, part of, so uh, the first step was really important. Um, re- rec- going, going through steps two and three, recognizing that uh, I'm not alone, uh, having faith in a recovery process, um, recognizing that the way that I was doing things was was what got me here yeah. uh, and that I needed to try something else. Mm-hmm. Uh, getting to step four, uh, took a deeper dive into my history, talked about my fears, uh, any abuses that happened. Uh, and there were quite a number of in- instances that came out later of um, just really things that I had suppressed that mm-hmm. had happened. Uh, talked about resentments towards people, so mm-hmm. resent, resentments towards my parents, for instance, um, uh, for the neglect uh, and for selfishness and other things. Uh, also had to disclose um, harms that I had done to others, both 
non-sexually and sexually. And that was sort of where, uh, as I was looking at my porn use, uh, I added under people that I had hurt mm-hmm. as a result of my addiction, porn models was added to that four-step inventory. So based on that inventory and having continued my step work, uh, it was obvious when I went to go make a list of people that I had harmed and that I was going to make amends to, mm-hmm. models of uh, in porn would be on that list. Um, what I was not prepared for was uh, sort of the emotional journey that it would take me and the amount of unpacking that I did while writing that letter. Um, when Typically when I write a ninth step amends letter, uh, I want to share specifically the harms that I caused, uh, which means I have to, I have to take another look at yeah. everything. Yeah. And so, and when I did that, it, some interesting things popped out that did not pop out in the original inventory. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and then the, uh, the other part of it is, uh, an apology and what I'm going to do mm-hmm. to prevent that from happening. So concrete steps that I'm going to take. And, uh, and in the case of a direct amends to, to someone in particular, then there would be specific actions that would be called out. But uh, yeah, I'll go ahead and uh, read it. Great. Um, Dear models, I'm writing to all of you to apologize for my actions and behaviors that have caused you harm. I understand that I cannot change what happened or the things that I have done, but I can make amends for the harms that I've caused you. My first experiences with porn was through material that I found or borrowed from a coworker, so essentially paying nothing. I eventually worked up the nerve to purchase magazines, rent tapes, and purchase DVDs. I did this all I did all of these things without any understanding of how the industry treats the actors and models and what the bulk of the money, and that the bulk of the money ends up with organized crime. My actions dehumanized you, and I financially supported an industry that exploits the addiction and economic circumstances of vulnerable people. I looked the other way. My greed let me, led me to no longer spend money for pornographic material. I switched to obtaining it free on the web using torrents to download pirated material. I engaged in this activity off and on for over a decade. By consuming material in this fashion, I contributed to its distribution and demand for its production, offering nothing in return. My most egregious act was the consumption of amateur material where you, weren't, where you likely weren't even aware that you were being recorded. I used the illegal acts committed by another against you for my own personal gratification. I would never personally commit such an invasion of a person's privacy, yet I did so regularly by viewing this material. All of these actions were abhorrent, morally reprehensible, and inconsistent with who I am as a human being. I deeply regret the harm that I have done to all of you. I apologize for my greed, gluttony, rationalizations, arrogance, and placing my own sexual pleasure above all else. I regret that my actions supported criminals and an industry that exploited you. 
I am working a program of recovery and have found a spiritual center that has been missing in my life and actively working to live a life of sobriety. I cannot make direct amends to you, and I recognize that the past harm that I have caused cannot be undone. I can commit to continuing to work my program of recovery, so what I did to you does not happen to anyone else. I commit to helping my fellow addicts recover so they can no longer engage in behaviors that support your exploitation. It is my hope that you will accept my heartfelt regret for the harms that I have perpetuated. Sincerely yours, Rob. Mm. I just want to take a minute. I've heard that before, but that's really, that's very powerful. It's a very important amends letter. Thank you so much for reading that again. Yeah, so tell me, Rob, tell us what's what's coming up for you right now, having read that. Um, it's, yeah, it's definitely sort of a, uh, it's a reminder of stuff that I'd like to forget, mm-hmm. uh, obviously. Um, uh, I do feel very empathetic to the people in, in that industry. Um, I think the, the myth that I lived under was the fact that there were people that, that there were, that there are people doing this willingly. And that is just, um, really not the case. Um, uh, I think the, probably the most emotional part of this for me was the consumption of the material that was surreptitiously recorded and posted, um, where the person that was the subject of the material was not, was likely unaware Mm -hmm. that they were being recorded, whether that was uh, by somebody's device or whether that was just via screen capture um because one of some of my acting out in the past was um using webcam yeah and so uh i had consumed material that was basically screen captured from webcam so there are i imagine that i i know i personally would be extremely upset if i came across a site somewhere that had a personal webcam session that I had done in trust with someone else. Yeah. Posted. Sure. Um, and that's uh, when I recognized how terrible of an invasion of privacy that is, and that that is not something that I would do that I would do or had done even for my own personal consumption. So it's not I. That's just something that I'd never do that and. It's interesting, I guess, even within addicts, there are, there are lines that, yeah. there are lines that are, um, that just don't get crossed. And yeah. that one's one for me. That's a biggie for you. That's a biggie for yeah. me. Um, yeah. And, and I, but, and I think the revelation here was that I had managed to cross that line without even recognizing that I had yeah. crossed it. That's a scary revelation. It is a scary. Of addiction. Yeah. It's a very scary revelation. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and that's, 
to me that is probably the bigger mm-hmm. the bigger thing for me than um even some of the potential human trafficking and other stuff which is big yeah um but for you that's that's but for me yeah. it was that um and it's just uh yeah it's it's it was stunning how a letter like this one, which was sort of at the tail end of mm-hmm. my night step amends, yeah. that I kind of had been kind of kicking down mm-hmm. the road a bit, not because I was expecting that it was going to be emotionally charged. Right. Uh, it was more the fact that it, I was, yeah, honestly, at some point I was, I was procrastinating and kind of thinking I was going to phone it in. And then it turned out to be completely the opposite. Um, but so it was important to me while I w- when I was writing this that it be directed to a person and then I would use the word you as much as possible uh, to try to speak to someone directly. To really personalize to write, it. Right, yeah. to make it personal because the, to me it's like if I didn't do that or if I wrote it in the, you know, wrote it directed to just sort of the cloud out there. Yeah then I don't think it would have had the impact for me either. Uh, and um, so, yeah, I, I, was, I was very grateful for the nudge needed to, to push me to write this and to, to get the step work done. Yeah, I, I think you did a great job with the letter, and I'm hoping that, that people will, will hear that in you. And... You know, I wanted to talk for just a second before we finish. Um, I want to ask a couple more questions, but is there anything that you would like for the listeners to take away from your experience or your letter or anything? Um, yeah, probably the, the um, big thing that I think I want people to recognize is the the rationalizations that happen when consuming this material um, and the fact that uh, there, uh, I would told myself for, for decades, well, they're getting paid for it or, you know, this, choice, it, it was a choice, they wanted to do it. Yeah. And that is uh, not always the case. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, but it's like those kinds of rationalizations are, are really, really, uh, probably the big thing that I want people to, to, to know from this. To really pay attention to. And, yeah. and to recognize that uh, there is very much of a difference between uh, professionally produced content where, you know, it's like it's got a production budget, the models are getting paid, and, yeah, you know, whether they want to be there or not, whether they're being exploited, that's one thing. It is a professional production. Uh, and they are somewhat accountable to local authorities, potentially, versus the complete Wild West version, uh, which is the amateur produced, you know, surreptitiously recorded. Mm-hmm. That stuff is completely exploitative. Yeah. Because uh, it's, even, even in some cases where, you know, nowadays people post material because they want to, but, you know, and they may even charge for it. But they're not aware. Uh, what they're, I think, not expecting is 
people stealing that material and reposting it. Mm, yeah. And when that happens, uh, that's exploitative. Yeah. And uh, you know, and I can point my fingers at at the at the person that posted it and go, "Oh, shame on you for doing that," or "Bad, bad on you for doing that," but. It's, it also falls back on the consumer as well. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and there's yeah. responsibility that has to be, and accountability that has to be, you know, that has to happen for the consumer of that material. Well, I appreciate you being here so much, Rob. I just wanted to um, thank you, but, but also I, I think you are a really great example for for people out there who don't know a lot about um, addiction recovery work or um, us therapists that specialize in this area or 12-step work you know rob is a shining star example i don't i don't mean that funny stop laughing over there rob um i don't mean that funny but but rob really is a shining star example and i have a lot of shining star examples in in my practice i love my clients and you know rob is a shining star example of what someone who really makes recovery a priority in his or her life what recovery looks like recovery is humble Recovery is simple and recovery is, is loving. And, and, and this is just a really special, um, this is probably my favorite podcast ever, Rob, but I mean, this is a really, and here you are laughing again, (laughs) (laughs) but this is just for, for, for me to be able to hear this. And I hope that other people can hear the authenticity and the sincerity and Rob's voice and his words and what he's communicating. It's just an amazing thing. So this is what good therapy and 12-step can do. And, and so if, if you're someone who is struggling with, with any issue or, or habit that's harming your life or an addiction, um, please seek out a, a local 12-step group. There's 12-step groups about everything under the sun literally so alcoholism drug abuse gambling under earners anonymous sex and love addicts there's there's so many 12-step groups oh i can't forget my favorite codependency anonymous um (laughs) me being a raging codependent in recovery um you know there's there's so much great help out there that is free and there's a lot of great help out there um with 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 excellent therapists as well and so this is just a great example. I just wanted to say again um, to Rob, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for sharing yourself with us today. And um, it's been a real pleasure enjoying this time with you. Oh, thank you for having me. You're welcome. And maybe Rob will be back again. If y'all have questions for him or if you want us to talk about anything uh, sex addiction related, Um, in a conversation, we would be happy to do that. Everybody take care and have a great day until our next episode of Sex in the Bull City. Take care. Bye.